Light Opera is a little hard to take. Here's one with fun characters, beautiful music, and not a Viking helmet in sight. Welcome to another passion-filled episode of The Necessary Show, the podcast that talks about all the art, music, and literature we just can't live without. I'm David Britton, and my guest today is Myra Durkin, a classically trained singer and voice teacher who has had a dual career because she's also a psychotherapist. She has a private practice and has taught mind-body classes for musicians, helping them overcome performance anxiety and other woes. Myra, where were you when I needed you? But I've invited Myra here to share her love for one particular piece of music, the opera The Marriage of Figaro by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Thanks so much for being with us, Myra. Thank you so much, David, for having me. Tell us something about how you first got into the world of music. When I was very little, I just loved to sing. And I heard a couple of pieces on the phonograph. My mother was a concert pianist. And she knew some beautiful music. She put on a Bach piece called Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring. Some people may know, and it's gorgeous. And I just had to listen to it over and over again. But anyway, I just started singing. And I sang in a choir when I was about seven and eight. And then it wasn't until about ninth grade that I got interested in classical singing and more interested in classical music. I just happened to hear a little bit of a Joan Sutherland record, and she was the soprano of the day. She could do anything. So I just listened to her all the time, and I started imitating her. When I was in 10th grade, I started at the High School of Music and Art, which was a public school, which became the Fame School. It's now called LaGuardia. And that school had very serious music and art going on. In our voice class, we sang parts of the Marriage of Figaro in English. All the girls will be safe and that now. was a great way to learn something about opera because it wasn't foreign. It didn't have a foreign language. And survive it if you do. It was originally written in what language? It was written in Italian. And of course, none of us knew Italian. So this was a way of taking away one of the things that can keep people from liking opera, the unfamiliarity of the language, let alone the unfamiliarity of the language of music, if they're not used to it. That kind of got me hooked, and I started taking voice lessons and things like that. Then I just kind of decided I wanted to sing and sang in college and then afterwards as sort of a pickup soloist. That was hard because I was trying to do this freelance, and it was a struggle to get gigs and all, very competitive. Did you ever sing The Marriage of Figaro? At the Brooklyn College Music Theater, I think it was called, I sang the role of Carabino in Figaro. This is a pants role. It's a teenager who's of nobility, but he's in love with the Countess, and he's very close friends with Susanna, two very important characters in the opera. He's very, very funny and very sweet. So that was a wonderful experience. You must have listened to this opera quite a bit over the years. What do you get out of it? What do you love about it? I love what the music says in connection with the words. 
it expresses so much of what's going on in the play. And the play is Beaumarchais. It's an anti-royalty play written very near the French Revolution. So the people in it who are not aristocracy are real people. And once I got to know the words and the music and how they fit together, I was absolutely blown away by how the music expressed all these people's characters and desires and disappointments in great detail. So you got to know the characters very well. But then I began to really appreciate the harmonies and the melodies. They are exquisite, and I think you need to just listen to it a lot, or little sections of it, to be able to get the whole sound. As a piece of music, it is said that it's perfect, and it's three and a half hours long, so it's perfection in a large sense. You're very lucky that you found a piece of music that you love as much as you do, The Marriage of Figaro. Yes. But a lot of people find it challenging to get into opera. You know, it's kind of alien to them. What are some of the things that keep people from getting to where you are with this opera? One thing I mentioned before is there are two languages you have to get familiar with. One is whatever language this piece is in. And two, you have to get used to the language of music, classical music, I'd say. And we don't hear it very much these days. And I think one of the reasons is that it's not being taught in schools. So that's a language people aren't getting. But people can get it later in life, too. Sometimes people make fun of the kind of stereotypical, loud, grandiose opera singer in roles like Brunhilde wearing the Viking helmet and exaggerated vibrato and kind of an ear-splitting sound. Is that something that people just have to put up no. with? No, I don't put up with it for the most part. When I say I love... <laughs> The Marriage of Figaro so much, and I love a lot of opera. There's a lot of opera I can't stand. I might like a few parts of it, but for instance, Wagner opera is something I've never really been attracted to. I know there are beautiful parts to it, but it just has a lot of things that don't please my ear, that don't make me want to come back. I think you just lost the three Wagner <laughs> oh, no, lovers. I'm sorry. In our... There are parts of them I like, but the whole thing and the stories and, and the way it looks are not my favorite thing. I'll put it that way. They don't draw me in. What happened in music was operas like The Marriage of Figaro and some earlier operas, even now, are usually sung by people not with huge vibrato-laden sounds. They're sung by people who have lighter sounds that you might call purer sounds, because that definitely goes with the Mozart. And if you listen to some things, it's a very different experience. I mean, people just look like normal people. So that particular genre, where people are wearing mythical costumes and as gods from trees and all sorts of stuff, happened later. It happened more in the 19th century. What are some things about the marriage of Figaro that make it a particularly inviting place for someone to start if they just want to get to know an opera? Well, the story is pretty amazing. There are two characters that start singing a duet at the beginning of the opera. They're Figaro and Susanna. <laughs> Figaro's a valet in the court, and Susanna is the maid for the countess. And the count has decided that on Figaro and Susanna's wedding night, he's going to have Susanna for himself. 
This is not a very good thing for them to know. Figaro and Susanna start talking about themselves and how they feel, and the music really reflects that. You just get caught up in their characters. It's a long, elaborate plot, but the music is so beautiful and goes with it so well that it's terrific, and it's also very funny. They're very funny scenes, and there's a lot of conflict. So it has sort of everything you want from a big work of art. You mentioned that there's one musical number in particular that captures the things that make this a great opera and an approachable opera. It's the duet called Sularia, which appeared in the movie The Shawshank Redemption. I've always loved it. The duet comes in when the prisoners are all outside and everybody's in a horrible mood and the lead guy puts on a record of this and it starts playing in the prison yard and everyone stops the other main character says that was like an angel One thing I noticed is that the two parts of the two female characters are very similar and they sing very close together in very close harmony. Does that fit into the story? Yes, it does, because the two characters are the Countess and Susanna, and they've never been close. They've been boss and worker. They both realize at some point that the Count is betraying both of them by his wish to have Susanna in his bedroom at night when they get married. Susanna's pretty furious about that and the countess is furious about it and for the first time they sit down together and they're going to plot revenge which turns out to be completely wonderful as it develops in the opera but they sit down together and the countess dictates a note that is going to be sent to the count and it's going to be involved in this elaborate ruse to get him to acknowledge what he's been doing and apologize they are close very close for the first time because they really they have so much in common. The Countess is standing and Susanna is sitting at a desk, usually right next to her, writing out what the Countess is dictating about. We're going to meet in the garden and all this stuff that happens. So yes, it's very important that their harmonies are very close and they're practically singing the same thing. Women are uniting. Yes. As, as, as we know, that always leads to um, interesting things. Yes, absolutely. If somebody is inspired from our conversation to learn a little bit more about opera, what's a good way to do that? One of the ways people can learn is if they have a friend. Sometimes people have a friend who just likes opera and can sit down with them and say, I love this part, I love this part, and this is why. That's a terrific way. If they have it in them, they can listen to some records, hopefully not the whole thing at once because they're so long, it's hard to take it all in. But parts listen to an, an opera, and then hopefully go to it. If we can ever go anywhere, that would be nice <laughs> <laughs> to be able to do. And then you see it staged, and it takes on another dimension like theater. But also, I think people can listen to recordings in a great way now, taking certain pieces out and just doing it little by little. You don't want to feel overwhelmed. You just want to feel welcomed and interested.
Have you ever been to one of the the live theater broadcasts of the Metropolitan Opera? Uh-huh. You want to talk about that for a second as a way that people who don't live near uh, a giant opera company right. can still see good opera live? Yes. There are particular operas that are picked to be a bit more easily understood by people than some others. And the screen is huge, and there are subtitles right there. You really can follow the story very easily. And you can see the, the faces of the singers and all the characters and i think that makes it feel much more welcoming they're nationwide it's not expensive that's a great thing better yet that live in hd series from the metropolitan opera is being streamed for free during the mets covid19 shutdown a different opera every night i believe Myra, before we sign off, would you like to mention a couple of really approachable operas for people who aren't already steeped in classical music? Yes. One is The Magic Flute by Mozart, which is a fantasy, and it's very easy to understand, and it's very dramatic and also beautiful. Which contains the famous Queen of the Night aria that a lot of people have as their ringtone on their telephone. <laughs> And then from a little bit later era, a Puccini opera from the 19th century called La Boheme, which people may have heard of. That opera is relished mostly because of the music. The music is gorgeous. You can take it in pretty easily. It's very lyrical. And it's a sad story, but it's filled with these wonderful human beings, characters. So I think a lot of people love La Boheme. It's another one that's not about hoity-toity aristocrats. It's about bohemian artists. And then another one that many people know some of is Carmen. And Carmen is a fantastic opera musically, and the story also is wonderful. And that doesn't have Wagnerian singers or godlike people in it either. It's just catchy tunes that you've heard a million times. It's just a beautiful piece. Well, Myra, you've made me want to go out and hear Carmen again, not to mention Mozart's Marriage of Figaro. It's been just delightful having you hold my hand and hold our listeners' hands in helping us to appreciate this sort of underappreciated art form. Thank you so much for being with us today, Myra. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And don't forget to visit our online magazine, thenecessary.net, where you'll find links for this episode and all the art, music, and literature you can stand. <laughs>